This is the Education Gadfly Show. If she was more like Jason Bourne, it would be quite literal. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. Here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming my co-host, the Jason Bourne of Education Reform. Robert Pendicio. That kind of associates me with Matt Damon. I'm not sure I'm okay with that. Well, right. And his, his views on education. Me, his reform. mother attacks me relentlessly. <laughs> Does, what, what's her name? I, I, forgive me. I can't recall her name. Is it a, she's an early Damon childhood. No? no, no, no. Nancy, and I can't remember her last name. Uh, she's so. a, the early childhood person that every time I dare to opine on early childhood edge, she comes out of the, the woodwork and comes after me. But, but see, you say she comes out of the woodwork and comes after you. If she was more like Jason Bourne, <laughs> it would be quite literal. <laughs> She come hey, after you, know you with, uh, you know, a, a machete I'm or something. I'm going to quit while I'm not too far behind. <laughs> I, those are great movies. I saw it, you know, it was on, on the, uh, you know, it's a rerun the other night. Really? None, none of them? Never no. seen I mean, they're mindless. No. Fun, shoot them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Car Super chase. Blockbuster explosions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, we can use some of that mindless diversion oh right now goodness. in light of many depressing things happening in our country. But I, I missed the, the, the chance to talk about the Republican National Convention last week. I was on vacation. It was a Republican National Convention uh, Yes, oh. I was in a house full of people planning to vote for Trump. So I was having my, my own uh, struggles. Existential crisis? Uh, yes. That's, okay. Thank you for that yeah. word. Sure. Uh, but we are going to have a chance to talk with the Democrats today. Uh, so let's get started. I think we are now calling this Ed Reform Update. Bump, bada, bada, bump, bada, bump, 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 bump. Did anybody do my song last week? No. 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 You know, the staff is starting to treat me like we always treated Checker. You guys are just ignoring my various ideas that you oh, don't like. No. They just they no. just disappear. <laughs> Who told him? What happened to getting that song from Weekend Update? Okay. Uh, first topic, uh, and yes, I'm biased because it's something I wrote about the enrichment gap. Mm. Uh, I had a piece last week in uh, the 74. Thank piece. you. Appreciate that, Robert. Uh, so basically pointing out, uh, like Robert Putnam has done and others have done, that we do have in this country this big enrichment gap, meaning that affluent kids are doing all kinds of things after school on the weekends during the summer uh, that poor kids don't get to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're the affluent kids' parents are spending a fortune on this stuff. Let me see you and raise you one. You know what the problem with this is? We have to stop thinking about this as an enrichment gap and start thinking of it as a literacy gap. All right. How many times have you heard me say this? Okay. Uh, We've played every, this game before, sure. Robert. Here it is. Go it's ahead. Like I go. a nickel for every time. Every cognitive input that a child has from the day he or she comes home to the ho- from the hospital to yeah. the day he sits down in front of that, that eighth grade test builds literacy, yeah. builds okay. background knowledge, builds vocabulary. Yeah. So this is not, when you say enrichment, it sounds like, oh, that's fluffy extra stuff. No, this is the stuff. Well, no, I, okay, yeah, well, Alyssa. I would, yes, I can see where, you know, activities like soccer and French lessons and Hebrew lessons and music lessons can feed Keep a literacy. Going. Keep going. They feed a literacy gap, but they also feed a larger gap as well, which goes into this like larger point Mike's making about enrichment. Like you learn the social interactions, you learn social cues, you learn how to have conversations with mm-hmm. adult. Like there are other oh, things I, than I just never the literacy. Those, <laughs> I, Robert, I can't help you with that. At this I know point. it's too late. Right, but there are other things. It's literacy plus. I would argue. Yeah, that it's, it's, it's that's right. And no, it's I'm, the, I'm making a bit, very basic point. When you use the word enrichment, it sounds like extra. It's yeah. not extra. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and it's it's the non-cognitive stuff. I mean, look. This this was on my mind as we uh, have been thick in the middle of summer swim season at the uh-huh. Petrilli household. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my second grader has been doing great. Uh, and but, but you see this here he is, swim practice every day, going to the meets. Mm-hmm. And first of all, you know,
know, the grit and the perseverance, but also, you know, seeing these older kids, the, you know, the coaches are all these teenagers they look up to, they do these cheers, they have team spirit. They, it is social capital up Mm -hmm. the wazoo. Right. Uh, And, uh, and I feel very fortunate and blessed that, that my kids get to have these experiences and it's swimming and it's soccer and it's on and on and on and on and on. And when you look at the data, uh, it's just very clear that, that uh, poor kids do not have access to these same things. Now, look, this is not news. And some people would argue that, Hey, the poor kids at least get to have a more idyllic childhood in a way, right? LaRoe, call your service. LaRoe. No, this is the argument. Listen, is is that because they're not overscheduled, like the rich kids are, they actually go outside and play still. Uh, They they actually, and and there is something to be said for that in that, uh, you know, Nat LaRoe would argue that as a result, these kids uh, are grow up to be, they're not as much kind of a a jerk. You know, there's not the the helicopter parenting, but what they lack is the ability. I think this was uh, LaRoe's description. They, they, they lack some of the ability to navigate the adult world the way, um, and she had a, she had a phrase for this. It was, there was, there was concerted cultivation, which yep. is what you're describing. Yep. And then there was, was it naturalistic? Childhood, yes, I think. yes, I think. I would also, it. though, is this quote unquote naturalistic childhood? Like, sure. If they're living in the middle of Vermont by a yeah, pond yeah, and they're getting yeah. to live out some Walden fantasy every day, like right. maybe that's a naturalistic childhood, but if they have these cultural deficits and they're living in an inner city community or they're living in a place where it's not safe to go wandering yeah. the streets yeah. for six hours. Like no, I'm not that's sure true. that's Then what are they doing? They're inside playing video games and uh, no, they're outside playing Pokemon Go. Or they're outside playing Pokemon Go. Hey, that, that would actually build some literacy probably uh, among other things. Okay, so uh, check out the piece. It's got some ideas in there. What can we do, uh, including my proposal for enrichment savings accounts? Interesting idea. Check yeah. it out. Okay, now we also have promised our listeners that we'll talk about the demo. So uh, the Democrats having their big convention. Most of the coverage so far has been about uh, some of the dissent still between the Bernie fans and the, the Hillary fans. Uh, the first night of the convention, the big speeches, Michelle Obama among mm-hmm. them. Uh, you know, also educational reform hero Cory Booker, Booker mm-hmm. with the with the big impassioned speech. Mm-hmm. He read the VP speech anyway. Uh, he had actually. <laughs> he had. So here's here's the question: Is you know. Are the Democrats going soft on Ed reform? Is uh, everybody going soft on Ed well, reform? We I talked mean, about Republicans last week, Robert. Right. So we're talking about Democrats <laughs> this week. Uh, what, what, what's your take on this? If, if Hillary is the next president, is she going to be less reformy than President Obama has been? I mean, I mean, I think the signs certainly point to something that's more, I guess, quote unquote, traditional in terms of like her Ed reform, traditionally progressive in terms of her Ed reform, mm-hmm. Ed reform stances. There's a lot more, you know, working closely with the unions. Randy Weingarten came out and endorsed Hillary right out of the gate. Um, and so I think... So did the NEA, right? Yeah. Right. So and the, there's yeah. just kind of this return yeah. to, you know, maybe we don't need as much testing. Maybe we don't need all of these teacher evals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I see that as, if you look into the crystal ball, I see that as kind of what's in the future. Should Hillary win in November? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want this to sound cynical, but it feels to me <laughs> like uh, the, the Democrats uh, uh, bowed to, to, to Bernie and threw education under the bus in their platform. Yeah. Yeah, look, I I don't know if it matters that much though. Correct. Okay, and this is this is why. Look, it, it, because of ESSA getting passed last mm-hmm. year, right? Uh, it is uh, you know we're well into implementation in terms of the regulations and all of that. If it is Hillary, I just don't think there's a ton to be done on K twelve. She's going to be mostly focused on this higher ed proposal, yes. free college, and on pre K and pushing <laughs> on that front. I think on K twelve, look, there's still issues. There will be implementation mm-hmm. issues. Sure. There will be Office for Civil Rights issues. I think most of those issues though break more along the lines of what do you think the appropriate federal role is 
uh, versus reformy versus not reformy. Right. right? Now, look, there's going to be some specific things like uh, take what's happening in California. California uh, mm-hmm. decided to move ahead and put forward an accountability plan even before the regs are done. Mm-hmm. And they've got this dashboard where it's mm-hmm. this uh, lit up like a Christmas oh, tree. Yes, yes. All Data these Shmeda. colors. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what'd you call it? Data Schmeda, I think, is ah, Governor I Brown's like approach that. to yes, accountability. I thought it was like the, the, the TSA alert system. And, and as LA <laughs> Times editorial board said, look, you can understand that no child left behind got it wrong in the other direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, coming down with one metric that wasn't very useful. This goes too far in the other direction of <laughs> having will- so much information that, you know, it doesn't ever come right out and say to a parent, you know what, your school sucks. Uh, in a way that a rating system that might have an F on a school would know, be very One clear. of those 64 colors means your school sucks. Uh, yes, if you could decide for <laughs> I it. I think it's okay. the cornflower blue. <laughs> so, you know, here's the question. Will the Obama administration allow something like this? I think they'll probably try not to as they finish up their regulations. Would a Clinton administration be okay with it? Well, it was designed by Linda Darling Hammond. It's the stuff the unions are pushing, maybe. Yeah, we're uh, never going to know. She's not going to win. All right, but but look at how pick a union we're talking about. I mean, these are really, really in the weeds kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, uh, you know, so I, I think the bottom line is on big picture stuff on, you know, are we going to move forward with charter schools? Is there still going to be testing? Is there still going to be con- t- discussions about accountability? I think the president's not going to matter uh, very much. Yep. Mm-hmm. And of course, if it's Trump and, you know, he's starting nuclear Armageddon, all these oh. issues are kind of <laughs> on the table. Oh my God. <laughs> all right. Hey, I had to sneak that in there, Robert. Yes, uh, I'm Hillary Clinton. All right. Good. That was Ed Reform Update. Now it's time for everyone's favorite Amber's Research Minute. Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. Amber, I'm the only one here who's watched the Jason Bourne movies. Have you watched them? I watched them a while back. I mean, like, I think the first one when, you know, Matt, which Damon, Damon. Yeah. Um, I think I watched the initial one. Okay. Uh, they're all exciting. the same, right? Which is good. Well, they, they are similar the plots. Yeah. Yes. Gunshots, car chases, explosions, right. yeah. roll credits. And yes. He's a, he's a nice looking young man. He's easy on the eye. So, you know, women don't mind. And he's an expert him. in education reform. You know that. And oh, he is of an expert His mama at was a teacher or is a teacher still, I guess. Yeah. All that. All right. So what you got for us, Amber, she is an expert on education. She is such a huge expert. Uh, we got a new study out in AEFP Journal for the uninitiated. What What is that? You guys know? Ed Finance and Policy. Association for Education, Finance, and Policy. Go ahead with your boom. Right. Boom. Boom. That exams whether waiting AP courses promotes more AP course taking. Okay. Say that again. Whether waiting AP courses, okay. giving them more weight. Right. In, in, oh, in, in your GPA. GPA. That's right. Uh, <laughs> promotes. Blind, we're on the, on the same board now. <laughs> promotes more AP course taking. Yes. Ah, okay. The authors conduct a survey of over 900 tra- traditional public schools in the great state of Texas. Mm-hmm. We're inquiring whether they had a waiting system for AP when it was started, what changes have occurred in that system and when. They literally called these schools up, which, wow, wow that's rough. <laughs> but anyway, uh, 28 schools that had increased their weights comprise the treatment group and include rural, urban, and suburban schools dispersed across the state. Okay? Mm-hmm. The control group are draw- drawn from a group again, of traditional public schools with school level data available before any weight changes occurred at the study schools. And then they, they winnow the control schools down based on their geographic proximity to the treatment schools. They match them on a bunch of variables mm-hmm. like number of AP courses, mm-hmm. number of 12th graders, percent of students on free reduced lunch, so on and so forth. Once they're matched, then they verify where they're comparable at the student level. So they start looking at prior reading and test scores for the year preceding the weight change. Okay. Mm-hmm. With so you. a bunch of methods all because they want to make sure they have baseline equivalence. Right. Okay. 
We're all good. So between 1999 and 2008, they follow eight cohorts mm-hmm. of 10th graders across, I mean, through grade 12 at the schools that change their weights and at the match comparison schools. And they're looking at change over time for both groups. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You guys are following me on all the methods. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Findings. They raise the magnitude of the AP for schools that raise the magnitude of the weight of the AP uh, weight in schools that already use weights. Okay. They already been doing it. It had a very small impact, mm-hmm. uh, mostly limited to the white kids who were not eligible for reduce, reduce price lunch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. We shall, from here on, call these the grade grubbers. I was uh, just going to say, right? this is the grade grubbing study. A term exactly. not used in the AEFP <laughs> journal. Okay. Yes. Anyhow, when schools- <laughs> this is what's wrong with those journal articles. If this was a Fordham study, we would have used that. Well, we negotiate that term, Mike. Okay. Right. The forward. When schools introduce weights for the very first time, the impact is significant and widespread. Okay. So the probability of taking an AP course increases by three to 12%. And the number of AP courses taken increased by 0.10 to 0.95 standard deviation. And then they realize, hey, these are really hard courses. With the largest impacts reserved for those, again, who are not eligible for free and reduced price uh-huh. lunch. But then we look at the ones who are eligible. Okay. For the low income kids, there are still impacts. So it's not you know, mm-hmm. moot for them. So for black, Hispanic, and white students who are eligible for the low price lunch, increased course taking what increased by 0.10 to 0.13 courses. Mm-hmm. So that's not, you know, that's something. Yeah, a modest effect. Kids respond to incentives. Right. So in terms of longitudinal trends, and I thought this was a great summary. So it's in quotes. Our results indicate that grade weights can generate a one-time increase in AP participation rates but a ratcheting up of weights after this initial introduction essentially serves as a reward for students who would have taken the courses anyway. anyway. That's their uh, thing. Stuff. And then they talk about, you know, we need to bolster outreach to low-income families to make sure they understand the potential of taking AP courses. Well, outreach, but also preparation. Preparation. Yeah. Preparation. Uh, so that's that's good. I mean, it's interesting that uh, it, it seems to indicate that kids, they, they care about their GPAs. And I assume that that's partly because they care about their class rank. Mm-hmm. I mean, this weighting thing, I assume that don't most colleges now, the selective colleges have their own way of weighting these sorts mm-hmm. of things, right? I, so. I mean, yeah, they, they will decide on their own process. how to standardize mm-hmm. this stuff. And, and whether they provide extra yeah. weights and or not. And kids know, I think, even if they don't pass the AP course, they know it signals something to a college when they see the stuff on their transcripts. I, I was just yeah. going to say, might it not have been a better approach for the study to look at intent to attend college rather than merely free and reduced price lunch? Mm-hmm. In other so, words, the more likely you are, if you're in 10th grade and you, and you see yourself as college-bound, you're more likely... Uh, to do this with waiting than if you do not see yourself yeah. as yeah. college. Well, that's a really, well, like the researcher under goes, how would you how get would you, that? Maybe if you took the PSAT, you'd have to poll. You'd have to, maybe they have that on the PSAT. Yeah. Oh, so are, here's yeah. a similar study that that either they should do, we should do, somebody should do, okay. right, about student incentives, these policies that have been in the news lately mm-hmm. about uh, how uh, teachers are no longer allowed to give a zero oh, on an exam gosh. or an assignment. They You're can only give a 50. 50 no, it's ridiculous, right? But I've been arguing in the press that says, well, Kids are going to figure this out. And so they're going to not turn in assignments or they're going to, they're going to do it. It would be, let's check this empirically. Let's Mm -hmm. see how do kids respond to these new systems? You know, that was going on even when there's no written policy. I mean, Robert, I'm sure you've seen some of this, you know, there's kind of an understanding that, you know, you just don't do it. I mean, my principal used to say back in the day, well, I mean, how are they ever going to catch up? You know, right. if you give them a zero, Here's you, know, you get a just... zero. That's the wake up call. Oh, you want to retake the exam? You want to turn in the paper? Mm-hmm. Sure. And if you don't, the zero stands. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Boom. Easy. There it is. 
I mean, even that's a little unfair, though, isn't it? I don't know. No, it's so hard. The goal, I mean, I, look, I'm, I'm pretty strict on these things, but the goal is not to assign a grade punitively. The goal is to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Have to have, actually, have to learn something. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. But do you announce to the class like this is the policy here? They kind of figure it out. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah no, I, uh, as a teacher, I always basically, there's no such thing, at least for a paper as a final grade. You get your feedback you want to, as long as we, until we run out of school year, you always have the opportunity you to go back. see it as learning. I like that. Yeah. I think it's... And nice. my understanding is that that was the policy Socrates had back in the day as well. <laughs> and I think if it worked back then... You read him a lot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in one of his more obscure uh, works where that, he goes that, into that, his that grading policy. final exam. Was, that was it. Yeah. That was summative. Yeah, All right, good stuff. Very relevant. I thought it was I, good. I, of course, I'm always the question, how are we going to get this news out to high schools across the country? Uh, yeah, I know. They're I, not reading AEFP journals. I don't know. They're Amber's research minute. Well, Heck I yeah, hope man. they are. Hey, and, and speaking of which, they, more should be doing so. So everybody listening right now, tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast. You would be surprised at people who don't know it exists. That's right. Build them in. Don't let it be a secret. All right. Thanks, everybody. That is all the time we got for this week. Until next week. I'm Robert Pundicio. And I'm Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.